Welcome to the One Mic, One Voice show, building the collective conscious. The show that is created to give space where your voice, ideas, and informed opinions can be heard, appreciated, and debated. Folks, you are with Michael Eric Owens in the One Mic studio. Man, we got a lot to cover today. Yeah, I'm back with you. You thought I left you. you Might have thought I gave up. No, I'm still fighting. I'm still on the front line. Well, today, today, our uh, podcast is about the big American lie, greatness, the big American lie, greatness, and um, let me turn my phone down here, greatness, the big American lie, if you run from yourself, you will never know who you are. In this episode, I want to share why America continues to run from its true identity. How can America be great if it refuses to acknowledge the cries of its people? The Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, and the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act were introduced to correct the failures of the past. Greatness admits its failures and does whatever is necessary to correct them. You see, every day people are trying to make this country better. Every day we are calling for change, change in our economic structure, change in policing, change at the border, change in how many minority groups are treated, change, 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 and more change. But you see, change is a broad concept, and in many ways, this concept is intangible. It's more philosophic than specific. In many cases, change is visionary and not concrete. I can see it, but I can't feel it. Today, I'm not talking about that type of change. I'm talking about three specific pieces of touchable, visible and realistic legislation that speaks to the core of American identity and America's original sin. Slavery was not America's original sin. It was and still is white supremacy. I want to discuss these three acts. Now, we know in reality that an act of Congress is a piece of legislation. However, I want you to pretend with me today that we are witnessing a three-play act. First to the stage, first to the American stage, is the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act. So who was Emmett Till? He was born July 25, 1941, 
in a place I love, Chi-Town, Chicago. He was 14 years old when he was lynched in Money, Mississippi in 1955 after being accused of offending a white woman in her family grocery store. And we know that in recent years she has re recanted her story. He died August 28, 1955. Emmett Till, this young boy, this 14-year-old boy visiting relatives, was lynched, murdered. The, anti, the Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act, this bill establishes a new criminal civil rights violation for lynching. Specifically, a person who conspires to commit certain civil rights, offenses, hate crimes, etc., is subject to criminal penalty. Now, what does lynching represent? Remember, we're talking about looking at the true American experience, true history, true character, true identity. And what does lynching, what does it mean? What does it symbolize? What is the effect of it all? Well, lynching is violent for one. It's murder for two. But it has a ripple effect among oppressed people. Lynching sends a message that you're next. That if you step out of line, if you do the wrong thing, if you offend anyone if you try to reach for equality. This is what will happen to you. It's a, it is a violent act upon vulnerable people. And we can go into the history of lynching, but that's not what this is about. But this piece of legislation speaks to all of that. The intimidation, the ostracism, the fight for equality, the fight for a seat at the table. You know, we could be symbolic when we talk about lynching. In the symbolic, in the symbolic sense, it means what? You can't sit at this table. You're not worthy to be a director, a CEO. So what happens? Out of fear out of fear of going up for, for that promotion, out of fear of showing your talents, out of fear of exercising your rights in the workplace, you don't. Because you've seen what happens to those who do. They're fired. They're demeaned. They're demoted. It's an act of lynching. Because at the heart of lynching is the idea that um, you have no value that your life means nothing. Change. Holding people accountable. Isn't that part of change? This idea? But get this. This bill was, it's still in the first stages. But it was introduced in Congress on the 4th of January, 2021. It will be considered by committee next before it possibly is sent over to the House or the Senate. They, they suggest that this bill has only a 3% chance of being 
enacted into law. Coming to the stage is Act 2, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. John Lewis was an American statesman and civil rights activist who served in the United States House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th Congressional District from 1987 until his death in 2020. He was also the chair of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, SNCC, from 1963 to 1966. But before we understand the John Lewis Voting Rights Act of 2021, it's important that we understand the Voting Rights Act of 1965. This is important. You cannot understand this bill, this current bill, with not understanding the history of why this bill is needed. And I think it's, it's <laughs> when we talk about America's greatness and this idea of a fledging democracy, we must challenge these um, platitudes and euphemisms about how great we are when you have a, a population of people within the larger group simply trying to exercise their God-given right to vote. Not just now, but through the generations. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 included a requirement, and this is Johnson's administration, designed to ensure minority voters across the country are eligible to participate equally in the electoral process, which prohibited discriminatory voting practices and removed many barriers to voting. The law was critical in ensuring minority voters' rights and stood on the books for nearly half a century. Nearly half a century. But in Shelby County versus Holder in June 2013, the Supreme Court invalidated a key provision of it. Among the invalidated provisions was an enforcement mechanism that prevented states like Texas, like Arizona, like Alabama, like Georgia, from making changes to voting laws and practices if they have a history of voting discrimination unless they clear those changes through federal officials. In other words, what's happening in Texas right now could not happen. What's happening in Arizona, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, it could not happen. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 said you cannot do that because of your history. And we know, and we're going to talk a little bit about that history. So the Supreme Court in this Shelby versus Holder ruled that the formula for deciding, deciding which states and localities have a history of voting discrimination and were therefore required to pre-approve changes in voting laws and practices were unconstitutional. Isn't the right to vote constitutional? The last time I checked, it was. This severely weakened the act. And that's what we're seeing today. 
That's why states have the ability to change their voting laws any way they want. Because they're, the federal oversight has been taken away. You see, so that's why we need the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. That's why. So, so you, you remember I said that America's original sin is not slavery. That's just a product of it. American original sin is white supremacy. What is happening in these states today is the people clinging to white supremacy. They want to prevent, prevent black and brown people from voting. This has been going on since the beginning of this country. How can we not see that and understand that? This bill modernizes the formula determining which states and localities have a pattern of discrimination. Ensuing that last minute voting changes do not adversely affect voters by requiring officials to publicly announce all voting changes at least 180 days prior to the election. It expands the government's authority to send federal observers to any jurisdiction where there may be substantial risks of discrimination at polls on election day. Where is this bill now? It seems like a no-brainer, right? To protect the rights of citizens to vote. In a democracy, it even seems ironic that we're even having a debate over whether or not someone can participate in a democracy. Isn't the core of a democracy is that everyone has a right to vote? Isn't that the essence? Isn't that the essence of the principle of a democracy? Free and fair elections? In a country that says we're the greatest democracy ever, you have black and brown people still fighting to vote. 2021. So where is it now? Well, it passed the House on August 24th, sitting at the Senate. Yeah, it's went nowhere. People say, well, the Democrats are in charge. Really, are they? It's 50-50. I mean, they have the deciding vote in the vice president. But you have the filibuster, right? And you have this threshold of any major legislation needs 60 votes. Ten Republicans won't vote for this. They won't vote to give blacks the right to vote. Man, that's some power. That's some power. Yeah, I have it, but you don't deserve it. Yeah, it's fair for me, but it's not fair for you. This historic battle. So, according to the experts, this bill has approximately... um, 2% chance of actually becoming law. Now, let's take a a look at um, the third act, the third act. 
coming to the stage, folks, is George Floyd's Justice in Policing Act. Remember I said these are three key, concrete, tangible, visible legislations that can bring change to our country now. People say, well, hey, look, we need change. And I said change can be oftentimes philosophical, not specific, not concrete. It can be visionary. But the change I'm talking about right now sits in the hands of those we have elected in the seats of our government. Mm. Yeah. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. The bill was introduced in the 117th Congress in February 24, 2021. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. The bill was sponsored by uh, Representative Bass and others. It passed the House on nearly party lines. <laughs> 220 Democrats, 212 Republicans. This happened on March 3rd. It's a human rights and policing bill drafted by Democrats. Okay. It was introduced. It's aimed to combat police misconduct, excessive force, and racial bias in policing. Grants power to the Justice Department Civil Rights Division to issue subpoenas to police departments as part of a pattern or practice investigations into whether there has been a pattern in practice of bias or misconduct by the department. It grants the attorney general to create an independent process to investigate misconduct or excessive force by police. It established a police Misconduct Complaint and Disciplinary Action Registry. And we're going to go through some of these specifically because I think it's very important. Now, but let's for a moment before I go through that, let's talk about why this bill is necessary. You see, folks, there's been a history of police violence against black people. Some in our country seems to think that um, this is a new phenomenon that would happen to George and Brianna and Brother Michael and Brother Freddie and Brother Arthur Scott and, and others. It's just a recent phenomenon that clearly this has not been happening through our existence. And if you ever want to do, you can just do a simple Google search. Police violence, historical police violence against black people. Or you could do Americans race riots. There are thousands, tens of thousands that have been documented throughout history. And we're going to go down history lane a little bit as the stage dims and the light spotlight comes out walks Memphis massacre of 1866 was a series of violent events that occurred 
from May 1st to the 3rd in 1866 in Memphis, Tennessee. The racial violence was ignited by political, social, and racial tension following the Civil War. In the early stages of Reconstruction, after a shooting altercation between a white police officer and a black veteran. Mm. 1866. And you know what's so interesting about this, this particular one is um, after all the killing and the federal troops were sent in and they were, it's interesting because property was lost Lives were lost, and blacks fled the city. They said the population had fallen by one quarter compared to 1865. 1866, 1867, the Meridian race riot was in Meridian, Mississippi in March 1871. It followed the arrest of a freedman at that time, those were what they call black people that had uh, been released from slavery. This freedman was accused of inciting riots in a downtown fire and blacks organizing for self-defense. Why would blacks need to organize for self-defense? There were so many more throughout the 19th century. Let's go up to the 60s. The Harlem riots of 1964 occurred between July 16th and the 22nd. It began after James Powell, a 15-year-old African-American, was shot and killed by a police officer, Thomas Gillian, in front of Powell's friends and a dozen witnesses. In July 24th, same uh, 1964, the police attempted to arrest an intoxicated man at the street block party and dance on Joseph Avenue in the Upper Falls neighborhood of Rochester. On the 25th, six black organizers, including three clergy members, brought Mayor Lamb a list of demands. And this is what I think should be chilling to all of us to hear. They met with the mayor. They said, if you meet these demands, we will help curb the violence. These included a mayoral committee consisting of members of the black community to observe the police department. Sounds familiar? The deputizing of responsible area residents and more resources allocated to get this, folks. Black businesses and workers. This was in the 60s. That could be said today. 1964. We're in 2021. And these people are calling for a citizen's council. Anytime you hear police reform, the first thing people want to do from the local level is put together a citizen's panel. Folks, that's not new. This continues to plague our society each and every day. 
It's not new. And for us to be running around thinking that this is this is something that just has just occurred in the modern era. We're only fooling ourselves. And we hear about Bloody Sunday. You remember that visual on TV? We all can see the black marchers going across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and those state troopers running them down with horses and beating them. And John Lewis was there. John Lewis was there. He was almost killed. We can see them. We can see the torture, the abuse, the lack of regard for human life. But prior to that, people don't understand what sparked that march. February 18th, 1965, C.T. Vivian led a march to the courthouse in Marion, the county seat of neighboring Perry County, to protest the arrest of James James Orange. State officials have received orders to target Vivian and a line of Alabama troopers waited for the marchers at the Perry County Courthouse. Officials had turned off all of the nearby streetlights, and state troopers rushed at the protesters attacking them. Protester Jimmy Lee Jackson and his mother fled the scene to hide in a nearby cafe. Alabama State, Co- state, trooper, state trooper Fowler followed Jackson into the cafe and shot him, saying he thought the protester was trying to get his gun as they grappled. Johnson died eight days later at Selma Good Samaritan Hospital of an infection resulting from the gunshot wound. We've heard that before. Reaching for something. He had a gun. The death of Jimmy Lee Jackson prompted civil rights leaders to bring their cause directly to, you know, Governor George Wallace. By performing a 54-mile march from Selma to the state capital of Montgomery. Mm. This sounds very familiar. This is what prompted the march on the bridge that led to the violence that we saw. It was police violence. It was a reaction to everything that the police department continues to do today. And then we had Bloody Sunday, March 7, 1965, an estimated of almost 600 civil rights marchers headed southeast out of Selma on U.S. Highway 80. The march was led by John Lewis, followed by almost 600 protesters. The protests went according to plan until the marchers crossed the Edmunds Predis Bridge. Well, you know the rest of the story. That march itself was a response to um, police violence. 
Why do we need police reform in this country? Because it continues to happen. It's as simple as that. It continues to happen every day. There is um, no doubt that throughout generations, black people continue to cry for release, for justice, for understanding. I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. But it's true. It continues to happen till this day. But folks, I, I want to validate my point more concretely to you. We're going to take this break right quick. And we're going to come back. Because I don't believe you are convinced. I'm trying to convince you. There's nothing new under the sun. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Owens, host of the One Mic, One Voice show. I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners all across the globe. Thank you for your undivided attention and for your conversation. You can catch us every Sunday on YouTube, 1230 p.m. Central Standard Time. And you can also catch us on Podbeam, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, on any one of those lovely, wonderful podcasting platforms you love to listen to. Please always remember, you can change the world. It's your choice. Nothing new under the sun. History repeats itself. Round and round we go. And trust me, as the saying goes, nobody knows where we are going. We're lost. But we won't change. I won't change. So let's continue with Act 3. The 60s were a very violent decade. The 60s was a time when folks had enough. Well, black Americans in this country said no more. Tired of the subjugation. Tired of the humiliation. Tired of always being second, never being equal. And because of that, you had a bunch of riots. Los Angeles, 1965. Matter of fact, just to let you know, the George Floyd 
policing bill has a 3% chance passing. 1965, Los Angeles. An identity check by police on two black men in a car sparked the Watts riot. Guess just got to look it up. Which left 34 dead and tens of thousands of dollars of damage. 1967, Newark, New Jersey. Two white police officers arrest and beat up a black taxi driver for a minor traffic violation, setting off a riot that lasted five days. 26 dead, 1,500 injured. 1967 Detroit race riot happened in July of that year. Killed 43 and leave more than 2,000 injured. This trouble spread to Illinois, North Carolina, Tennessee, and Maryland. And then in 68, we had the assassination of Dr. King. 1980, the acquittal of four white officers in Tampa, Florida, on charges of beating a black motorcyclist to death after he rode through a red light, set off a wave of violence in Miami, Liberty City, leaving 18 dead and more than 300 injured. I'm just hitting the highlights. This is not an exhaustive list by no means. 1992, Los Angeles. April to May 1st, the 30th, riots erupted with a toll of at least 59 dead and more than 2,300 injured. You know this one, the beating of Rodney King. On display, the precursor to George Floyd. We watched them beat that man to death, nearly. His face was unrecognizable. Blow after blow after blow was recorded. Did change happen then? Did change happen then? 2001, Cincinnati, April 9th. Riots erupted after the killing of a 19-year-old black man, Timothy Thomas, by a plight white police officer. Mm. Wow. Then we can come all the way up to Ferguson. Ten days of protests and riots. You saw the police officers out there in heavy tactical gear with tanks and Oh, man, it was a war zone. We know why, because an unarmed black teenager, Brother Michael Brown, was killed by a white officer. Mm. 2015, Baltimore. You might know him by the name of Freddie Gray, 25-year-old black boy. Dies a week later after suffering serious injuries in a police van. Mm. We also saw that on video. Freddie Gray. Hmm. 2016 in Charlotte. Keith Lamont Scott, 43. Fatally shot to death. 
Police say they the shooting happened when they saw him hold up a gun as they approached his vehicle after seeing him rolling a marijuana cigarette. He was unarmed. Twenty sixteen. September sixteenth. You remember this? Terrence Crutcher. The brother that was car broke down, that was standing outside of his car and Officer Betty Shelby shot him to death. He was, again, unarmed. September 6, 2018. You remember this? Botham John. In his house. His house. I didn't. I didn't stutter. His house. And she comes into his apartment and says she thought it was her own and she saw a black man and she murdered him. Dallas, Texas. Brianna Taylor, 26 years old. Louisville, Kentucky. March 13, 2020. Sleeping in her own house. Sleeping. I don't know if you can commit a crime while you're sleeping. That would be an enormous feat. This woman was sleeping. Think about that for a moment. We're all going to go to bed tonight in our own homes. Your home is a place where you feel safe, protected. In most cases. Nobody has the notion in their mind that when they lay down at night that they might die. Matter of fact, you're thinking about the things you have planned for tomorrow, the things you didn't get done, you procrastinated on. I don't know, but you're not thinking about dying. And these no-not warrants, this police force which had the wrong address, the wrong place. Oh, yeah. They broke into her house and murdered her. She was, again, 26 years old. Hmm. Eliza said, why can't I stand? What I can't stand is these cases seem to mirror themselves with the same outcome. However, police are allowed to continue this murderous pattern. It's the same outcome throughout history. That's the point I'm trying to make to you today. Is that this fight has been going on for a very long time. Blacks have echoed these voices, these cries throughout history for the three things I talked to you about today. Yeah, for the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill, for the John Lewis voting rights bill, and for the George Floyd Policing and Reform Act. Take their names off of it. Just say anti-lynching, voting, and police reform. 
Isn't that the heart of what we're trying to accomplish today? But it's not new. That's the, that, that, that is the most grotesque fact about this. It is not new. How many people must go to their grave never having justice, never having peace? When will we say enough is enough? When will the images grip us in such a way that we can't sleep at night? When? How many more innocent lives need to be taken? I guess for some, it doesn't matter. For others, eh, doesn't affect me. Why don't those black people just stop complaining? All we hear about, they can vote. Get an ID. They can vote just like anybody else. Police are good. They're good. There's a few bad apples. But why is the bad apples always killing black people? (sighs) Wow. It's beyond frustrating. It really is. Because sitting there in the seats of government are laws that can bring change to these historic problems, these horrific things that have transpired. We don't have to continue it. Yet we do. Yet we do. George Floyd, Mm. modern lynching, the, huh, the modern Emmett Till. Why did George Floyd die? What did he do? I mean, we all saw it ourselves. They said he, he tried to pass off a $20 counterfeit bill that's in dispute but why did he die he died because of America's original sin again not slavery white supremacy the American DNA is filled with superior thoughts It's filled with the idea that white is better. White beauty is better. White ingenuity is better. White individuality is better. Matter of fact, blacks are not even seen as individuals. I gave him an example. I wish I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, What does the black community think? Black people are 14% of the American population. How would I ever know what all of them think? Unless we're seen as a monolithic people. We all think alike. 
Yeah, they, they, they think we look alike. Three acts on center stage of the American experience. And they all have less than a 3% chance of ever being law. The big American lie. Greatness. Do you see greatness? Do you see greatness? Well, I guess is how you define it. If you define it through the white lens, you might say yes. But if you define it through the mosaic lens, which we are, I'm sure you will come to the same conclusion that we are far from being great. Half of the country is not even aware of these bills. They don't even know they exist. They don't even know people are fighting at the highest level to equal the playing field. They simply don't care. Doesn't affect them or their constituents are against it. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Well, I would like to say, you know, the usual thing is call your congressperson. <laughs> I laugh because, man, we've been told some good lies. We have been. Man, just put pressure on them. Call them up. Man, them folks will turn that answer machine off in a heartbeat. Go down to their office and protest. Yeah, you can move them. No, you can't. Congress is broken. The American government is broken. We can't pass an infrastructure bill. Okay. We can't do anything with DACA. Can't do anything with the border. We can't do anything with police reform. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I want, listen, I want to be wrong. I want to see our leaders stand up and have some courage and some backbone. For goodness sakes, we're sitting around 70% of Republicans don't even believe that Joe Biden was elected. Fairly. Lisa says, I believe these bills would be priority. Lied to again, can't even pass infrastructure. Man, they're good at telling us what they think we want to hear. The rhetoric. Man, hope. Man, if I could give you hope, I could take, I could, listen, if I could give you hope, I could clean your pockets. You're too busy focusing on hope and you don't see my hand in your pocket. And I'm taking everything you got. But I'm giving you the words of hope, though. We are in deep trouble. These are three critical P 
pieces of legislation that should pass with bipartisan overwhelming support. One is to say no longer can you treat people violently and lynch people. No longer can hate crimes take place in this country. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Okay. Why can't we pass voting rights bill that everyone has access to vote? Why can't voting be a national holiday in this country, a day off? If we are a democracy, if we are the beacon of light, if we are the world's greatest democracy, why can't we make that a priority? Policing reform. This should be an obvious no brainer. We see what is happening with the police department and the violence. And we see them get away with it. Tim Scott, South Carolina. Yeah, let's get the only black man Republican in the Senate. Yeah, that looks good. Yeah. See, he's skin folk, but he ain't kin folk. That's what they don't fail to understand. We see right through Tim Scott. Just like we see through Terrence Thomas. We see right through you. Just see, again, it goes back to you thinking that he's black. All black people think alike. Black people be fine with him. We're not. Not at all. Tim Scott is just. He's just part of the system. His skin just happens to be a little darker. Him and him and Candace Owens is the same way. We see you. We're not fooled by the token. We see it on our jobs. We see it in our everyday life. When you try to bring a black person on, that's going to do exactly what you want them to do. Look at these black diversity officers now that are being hired at these white places, schools, and colleges. They're hired because they will maintain the status quo. You know, it's the interview. Yeah. Hey. It's clear, but it looks good. It looks like progress. Tim Scott looks like, oh, yeah, they're going to get it done. Tim Scott said, we're going to get this thing done. When it first came out, I said it'll never get done. Why? Tim Scott. You might as well have Miss McConnell. Lindsey Graham. Uh, uh, Ted Cruz. <laughs> you... You, man, you might as well have George Wallace. It's not going to get done. Why? Because of white supremacy. America will never be great. We're imploding. You see, if I was uh, Al-Qaeda or ISIS, I wouldn't attack America. America's attacking itself. 
I just sit back with my binoculars and watch the destruction because we're killing each other. There's no peace, no love, no unity. 9-11 used to be a sacred day, but what did we see? So much political fighting on 9-11. All we did was play into their hands. If we want to show the terrorists, not just foreign, but domestic, that we have greatness, then we fix our problems. We, we mold this nation into a nation that is respectful of all people. Men, women, and children. We don't even respect our children nowadays. We don't care if our children go to school without masks and, and get COVID because it's our freedom as parents. I remember when children were sacred. They were sacred. But no, we put them in arm's way for our own ego. The sickness in America is metastasized throughout our country. It's everywhere. And America will never be great until we fix our failures. Mm. the big American lie. Now, someone will say, man, there's some good things in this country. Well, let me use an analogy for you. If I go to the doc and I said, doc, you know, I'm in bad shape. Man, man, my leg is killing me, doc. It's killing me. I can't walk. I'm in constant pain. And the doc said, well, man, you, you were born with some really beautiful eyes. Be thankful that you got green eyes. <laughs> How does that help me? It's not about what's going great. It's about the hurting, the oppressed, the left out, the abandoned, the broken, the bruised, the forgotten. That's what this is all about, folks. What should you do? I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly at the point where I don't know. I don't know what we do. Because we are up against people in this society that control all the levers to power. And they're simply saying no. It's not going to happen. So what do we do? The only thing. We continue, continue the conversation. We continue to encourage one another. We continue to believe that, yeah, the sun will shine again. We, we will continue to believe that we will pierce through all of this darkness. And yeah, there is a higher 
higher mark we can reach. We continue to believe because without that, we have absolutely nothing. Because history will speak of us. Somewhere in the distant future, a scribe will reach down deep into the archives of our time. And what will we do? Will we overcome our differences? Will we find out out of many we became one? Will we find that we solve nothing and remain a divided people? Yes. History will speak of us. All we gotta do is work together. We gotta raise our children better. We gotta stop the hate, stop the hate, and spread the love. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. One mic, one voice. You can change the world, it's your choice. Thank you for downloading the One Mic, One Voice show. Take a moment and subscribe and share. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platform. Thank you for your continued support and for your voice. You can change the world. It's your choice. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on the One Mic, One Voice show are not the views, thoughts, and opinions of our sponsors.